0: I want you to take your Bible. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7 and stand. Matthew chapter 7. I want to call your attention to verse 1 through 5 of Matthew chapter 7. This is what the Scripture says. Jesus speaking. He said, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it should be measured to you again. And why beholdest the mote that's in the brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the moat out of the brother's eye. I want to talk to you about your yardstick can become a boomerang. Your yardstick can become a boomerang. There's a preacher, uh, he's getting a little age on him now. His name is Chuck Swindoll. He's a great, great preacher, wonderful, wonderful man of God. Chuck Swindoll said he was going years ago to this church to preach a revival. And he said the very first night he was there, a gentleman walked up to him and said, Dr. Swindoll, he said, one of the goals of my life is to hear you preach. And I'm so excited about hearing you preach, Dr. Swindoll, live and in person for the very first time. And Brother Chuck said, I stood up to preach, and lo and behold, that gentleman was on the front row. But he said, I got into the message just a few minutes into the message, And he said, I looked, and that guy had fallen asleep. Now, I can relate, amen? I can relate. I remember preaching one time, and a guy fell asleep. And I said to my deacon who was sitting beside him, I said, wake him up. He said, no. And I said to the deacon, wake him up. He said, no. I said, wake the guy up. Why won't you wake him up? He said, because I didn't put him to sleep, amen? But anyway, Chuck Swindoll said, I looked and the guy had fallen asleep. And he said, the next night I get up to preach and he said, this guy who is so excited about me preaching, he's fallen asleep again. And he said, the third night, the same thing. And I said to myself, what a hypocrite, what a phony, what a fake, come up to you. But he said, after the third night, a lady walked up to me and the lady said, Brother Swindoll, I want to apologize for my husband he said who's your husband she said he's the gentleman on the front row that is falling asleep every night she said dr. Swindoll he's got terminal cancer he's dying of cancer and he's taking powerful medication and the medication makes him so sleepy but he said dr. Swindoll before he died he wanted to hear you preach Live and in person. So he's really sacrificed to come and hear you preach. And Dr. Swindoll said, I said, God forgive me. God forgive me for judging. You know, folks, there's a lot of things that are unclear, but the Bible is pretty clear when it says to every one of us, judge not. Now, folks, if you can't agree with me thus far, you're not going to agree much of this message. (laughs) But the Bible is pretty clear. I mean, Jesus, it's written in red. Jesus said to you and Jesus said to me, judge not, judge not. But you know what's amazing, folks? Even though the Lord says judge not, we, notice I said we, we still do it. We still do it. Well, 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 why do we do it? Why do we do it? Why do, why do we judge people? Why are we judging people? Why are we looking at the moat in other people's eyes? I think there's four reasons why we do it. First reason why we judge people is because of iniquity. We judge people. Yeah, see, see folks, uh, we've, uh, whether we acknowledge it or not, We've all got beams in our eyes, and sometimes, folks, it makes us feel better about the beams in our eyes if we can point out the moat in somebody else's eye. Yeah, sometimes it makes us feel better about ourselves if we can point out what's wrong with somebody else. Yeah, we we feel better. We feel better about ourselves if we we can point out and pinpoint and be real accurate in what's wrong with somebody else. So we, it's because of iniquity, but I I think there's a second reason why we do it. It's because of insecurity. Insecurity. See, we, we many times are insecure, and because of our insecurities, it's easy to point out what's wrong with somebody else. But the reality is it's an insecurity in our lives. And because of the insecurity in our lives, we're always looking at what's wrong with somebody else. We're always making, oh, don't get quiet when I'm preaching good. Uh, But because of the insecurities in our lives, it makes it easier just to point out, he ought to be doing this and she ought to be doing that. But reality is we're just very insecure in who we are. But then there's a third reason, and, and it's ignorance. And that's a harsh word, but I had to alliterate. And ignorance only means unlearned. And sometimes, folks, we don't know the whole story. And many times this is our attitude. I've already made up my mind. Don't confuse me with the facts. (laughs) Yeah, I've already formed my opinion, so whatever you do, don't confuse me with the facts about the situation. So there's iniquity, there's insecurity, there's ignorance, and then there's uh, insensitivity. Insensitivity. You know, the Bible speaks a lot concerning what I want to talk to you about today when our yardstick can become a boomerang. And there's three things I want you to see. The first thing I want you to see is the role we take on ourselves. The role we take on ourselves. See, the Bible is very clear. It says in verse 1, "'Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged.'" See, the Bible is very clear, ladies and gentlemen, It's a role that you and I should never take on. There should never be a time when I take on the role of becoming a judge. It's never right for me to put the robe on and become a judge. But you know the reality is, folks, we all put the robe on. The reality is we all put the robe on. And every time that we put the robe on, there's two things it ought to remind us of. The first thing it ought to remind us is the judgment we await. See, I can decide today that I'm going to put the robe on, but Hebrews 12 and 23 tells me that, that God is judge. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the great apostle Paul said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he's the righteous judge. And then Romans 2 and 16 says this, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, See, I can put the robe on, folks. What it ought to remind me of is the fact that there's a judgment that's awaiting me. There's a judgment that's awaiting me. Daniel Webster was probably one of the most brilliant men ever to live. And they asked Daniel Webster, what's the greatest thought ever to hit your mind? And Daniel Webster said, the greatest thought ever to cross my mind is my personal accountability to God. See, folks, not only the judgment we await, but the judgment we assume. Now, here's what's interesting. If you look at verse 1 and 2, God said, Benny, Tommy, Sally, Bob, judge not. Don't put the robe on. But because you've decided to put the robe on, this is what God said, I'm going to judge you for judging. I'm going to judge you simply because you decided to be a judge. See, it's a role, ladies and gentlemen, that we take on that was never meant for us to take on this role. It's the role we take on ourselves, but there's a second thing I want you to see. The review we take of ourselves. If you look at verse 3, it's so interesting. It says, And why beholdest the moat that is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam. You know what he's saying, folks? He's saying, you're so consumed with somebody else, and I really want you to consider yourself. You know, I'm, I'm getting older, and Barbara's getting older, and I told her the other day, I said, Barbara, we're just going to get old together. I said, this is the agreement I make with you. As we get old, if you'll remember where we're going, I'll remember who we are. I've had some concerns and I went to the doctor and I said, I said to my doctor, can I talk with you privately? And he said, sure. He said, what's the problem? I said, it was very private. He said, okay. I said, the problem is Barbara's hearing. <laughs> he said, how bad is it? I said, it's bad. He said, well, I need to know how bad it is. He, I, I said, well, how can I determine? I'm not a, I'm not a PhD. I'm a, I'm a Practitioner of the Word of God. I said, well, how, how can I determine? He said, well, get at a distance from Barbara and ask her a question. And then if she don't answer, get closer. So I got about 15 feet away and I said, is dinner ready? No response. 10 feet away. Is dinner ready? No response. Five feet away. Is dinner ready? She said, for the th- See, 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 folks, look, I see the failures we criticize in others. When I look at verse 3, this is what it says. It says, and why beholdest? I researched that word beholdest, and this is what it means. It means to stare and look for faults. It means literally to stare and look for faults. It's talking about an individual who stares and looks for faults in other people. And then according to verse 4, you can even reach the point that now that I've stared and I've looked and I've found this fault, perhaps I need to talk to them about the fault. It's literally to look for faults. There's There's a man who's excellent on marriages. His name is Gary Chapman. I told our pastors Friday, we end the day by praying. And many of my pastors are young men. I could almost be their father. I mean, age-wise. And I said to these young men, I said, listen to me closely, young men. Listen to me very closely. No matter what stage you are in your marriage, the devil wants to destroy your marriage. It mat- you say, Pastor Benny, we've been married thirty years. It matters not. I'm dealing with couples that have been married thirty five years that are getting a divorce. I'm dealing with couples that have been married three years that are getting divorced. It matters not, and I said to these pastors, be be conscientious that the devil. You say, but brother Benny, we 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 we've got a wonderful, we've got oh, we've got a marriage made in heaven. So is thunder and lightning. The devil wants to destroy your home. And there's a book that Gary Chapman wrote called The Five Love Languages that every person ought to read. Every married person ought to read. And Gary Chapman talks about in that book when he would sit down with couples, he would sit down with perhaps the man and he would say, can you write down some problems that your wife has? And the man would say, oh, can I? And he would make a long list. And he said, then I would say, Now I need you to write down some problems that you have. The man would say, well, that's somewhat of a struggle. (laughs) Now wait. And Dr. Chapman said, I would say, do you really think, whatever the case, do you really think your maid has all these problems and issues and you don't have any? Or one or two at the most? Do you really think that's reality? And Dr. Chapman said he would then challenge the person to get alone with God and ask God, God, show me my faults. Get alone with God. Ask God, God, show me my faults. God, help me to own my faults. And God helped me to work a process to overcome my faults. Now, David Jeremiah, who's a far better preacher than I am, said that if an individual would focus on their faults and not focus on their mate's faults, would focus on their faults and getting everything right with themselves, 80% of the time, the marriage would work out. The failures we criticize in others, but the failures we consider in ourselves. Look what verse 4 says. Or will thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. What's he saying? Many times we want to get something small out of somebody's eye, and we never realize what's in ours. Folks, I've been preaching 35 years. And I remember years ago, I was just getting started preaching. I was married. And I was asked to preach a revival with an older preacher, older distinguished preacher. And I said to Barbara, Barbara, I want to go to his home And I want to be subservient to him. He's a lot better preacher than I am. He's more mature. The people want to hear him more than they want to hear me, no doubt. And we're going to preach, and I just want to go and say, I'm subservient. If this meeting lasts three nights, I'll preach one. You preach two. And so we go to his house. And I don't remember what I was wearing but I remember Barbara had a pair of slacks on and we go to the house and she gets out of the car. She gets out of the vehicle and the pastor's wife, it's not an exaggeration, it's fine, but the pastor's wife had a dip in her lip. (laughs) Now, you got to keep in mind, this is in Tennessee. They still believe the earth's flat, wrestling's real, and nobody's walked on the moon. Amen? <laughs> but she had dip in her lip, and we get out of the car. The pastor's wife, I'm, I'm just being a Dip in the lip. <laughs> and Barbara gets out, and God bear me record. The pastor's wife says to Barbara, Baba, Baba, you're gonna go to hell for wearing them pants. <laughs> I'm thinking, if he gonna go to hell for wearing them pants? What about that deal? <laughs> <laughs> Jakes. I wish I could preach like T.D. Jakes. Get real. There's no white man can preach like T.D. Jakes. (laughs) But T.D. Jakes said, We'll judge somebody for 30 years over what they did in 30 minutes. We'll judge somebody for 30 years. Over what they did in 30 minutes. Let I me mean, tell you, one of the deepest people theologically, folks, this is non exaggeration, one of the deepest people theologically that I've ever met. I, I've spent hours studying the deep things of God with this man. And when I give you his name, it's gonna shock you. His name's Mark Lowry. The whole comedian deal. It's just that, it's an act. He's one of the most brilliant men I've ever met studying theology, deep in his Bible. And Mark Lowry made this statement. He said, what about I hate my sin and you hate your sin and we love one another? What about I hate my sin, and you hate your sin, but we love one another. Now let me give you the last point. That's the requirement we must take for ourselves. What what first what first must be done? Well, look what verse five says. It says, Thou hypocrite. First, cast the beam out of thine own eye. See, folks, the first thing we got to do is we got to get the beam out of our eye. You sit and wait, Pastor Ben. I, I don't have anything in my eye. First John 1 and 7 says this. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. You say, boy, that's a great verse. But look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, see, many times, folks, We've got a beam in our eye. It's just a beam. Many times we've got this big beam in our eye. Many times it's something that we're not doing, but it's still a beam. Got this beam. Got this beam in our eye. We're worried about that moat in Brother So and so's eye. Got that beam. Got that beam. Just got that beam in our eye. Got that beam. Felt led to kind of point that one in that direction. I don't know why. <laughs> what first must be done? What first must be done? We got to we got to get the beam. See, well, you know, you know what God wants to do. God said, "Here's what I want you. I want you take that silly robe off." You should have never put that robe on. You should, have never, you should have never put that robe on. Take that silly robe off. Now, folks, I took mine off. But there's a bunch of you needs to get yours off. Is it making you feel better about yourself that you're putting somebody else down? Is it making you feel better about yourself that you're pointing out everything they're doing wrong? What about what we're doing wrong? What first must be done, and then what finally must be done. If you look at verse 5, you know what the Bible says we're supposed to do? We're supposed to get that beam out of our eye, and then we're supposed to say, Hey, you've got this little old bitty mode in your eye, but I've got some visine, and I've got a flashlight. Galatians 6 and 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Look here, Cameron, come here. Look here. Look here. If I... If I put him down, I put him. Let's just say an old guy like me puts him down. I'm going to put him down. I won. Put him down. But always remember this when you put somebody else down, I went down too. No, no, you don't rise up when you put other people down. Amen. But look here. When I lift Okembo up, I rose up too. I'm almost done. But a few years back, I had Gigi Graham in our church. I had her for one reason. She's the oldest daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham. And I just wanted to spend time with her to learn about her mom and daddy. I'd spent an hour in Billy's home, but I just wanted to ask Pepper her with questions about her mom and daddy. And this is what Gigi Graham, the oldest daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham, said to me. She said, Pastor Benny, there was nothing that has not happened to our family. She said, no family has committed any sin that our family hadn't committed that sin. She said, every sin, Pastor Benny, that you can think of, the lowest of the low, the gutter of the gutter, the Graham family has committed. I said, well, tell me about your mom and Dad. She said, through my divorces, through everything. She said, Mom and Daddy just loved us. They just loved us through it all. She said, One year, my son had got far away from God, doing a lot of things that he shouldn't have been doing, and Thanksgiving came. And she said, Mom and Daddy was having Thanksgiving and he came. And she said, When he walked in, he looked totally different. And said, Here he walked in with earrings in his ear. And she said, Here was Daddy, Billy Graham, very conservative. And I wondered. She said, You know, Mom and Dad never said anything. And she said, A week passed. And mother mailed him a package. I said, she did? She said, yeah, Brother Benny. She mailed him some of her earrings and said, I thought you might like these. (laughs) I don't know. He may still wear earrings. I could care less. Folks, there's something far more important. (laughs) It's what's in here. I said, well, what's happened to your son? She said, he's a pastor now. He's a pastor now. You know, folks, it'd be a great day in our lives when we can realize that God's going to judge people. God's going to judge people. I don't have to judge them. You don't have to judge them. Nobody's going to get past the judgment of God. I I wouldn't want to preach this message without ending it this way, and I promise I'm done two minutes. But if a person is lost... If a person's lost and they don't know the Lord, he said, Brother Benny, where would they be judged at? They'll be judged at the great white throne judgment. Tell me, Pastor Benny, about the great white throne judgment. Well, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12 says this, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things, which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, which went in them, And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You say, what are you saying, Pastor Benny? I'm saying a person that don't know Christ, they'll stand before the Lord, and they'll be cast into a lake of fire. Not because Benny Tate said that, but because the Word of God says that. It's that serious. But God's going to be judge. He don't need me to. He's going to be judge. And what about us Christians? You say, Brother Benny, we got it crystal clear. It's smooth sailing. No. Second Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I've given my life to Christ, but that doesn't change the fact that one day I'm going to be judged. I'm going to give an account for what I've done and what I've not done. All I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, your yardstick that we're measuring everybody with, that can become a boomerang. And what I'd say to us, if there's anybody here other than us, would you raise your hand? It's just us. And since it's just us, Why don't I just concentrate on me? And you concentrate on you, making sure we're pleasing to God. And let's not worry about that other guy, that other lady. Let's make sure we're right with God because that yardstick can become a boomerang because God said, when you put that robe on, I'm going to judge you for putting that robe on. So, it'd be in my best interest, it'd be in your best interest just to leave that robe off. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me. If you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord. And forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord for forgiving me thank you for coming in to my life Amen Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make and I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling He's a fact this decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's word says you must do to have eternal life so congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today God bless you and we'll see you soon